0: My da, dad, will be angry if I'm late, Michael. The quarterback of our high school's football team, Go Trojans, snicker-nudge wink, just grinned at me, dark, wavy hair falling into his eyes, and I grew warm all over. I didn't like Michael, not really. He was dumber than a box of rocks, arrogant and mostly a douche, but he was pretty to look at and a master of the backseat tango. He also had big arms, a glorious benefit to his father's obsession with him eventually playing college ball, and I had a thing for arms. We'll have you back before he even knows you've been gone, he assured me with a wink, reaching over to squeeze my knee. Your daddy will still think I'm a regular Prince Charming good enough to date his princess. I bit back the mocking reply threatening to escape. Michael was so full of himself, so convinced everyone adored him as much as he adored himself, it never dawned on him that my da called him charming as an insult. He didn't like anyone, my da, let alone some teenage boy with a head nearly too big for his football helmet. These were the things I remembered clearly from that night. The smell of sweat and stale fast food that clung to the upholstery in Michael's car— The feel of his hand on my bare leg and the warm summer air that ghosted over my hand as it hung outside the window, surfing the wind as we flew through the darkness toward the run down apartment where my drunken, mean black Irish jaw waited. The sharp bite of regret that I had to leave the party early. It was unremarkable that night, which might be the reason so much of it has been lost to me over the years. I made curfew. Ma was gone, off making money in ways we were all aware of, but never acknowledged out loud. Da was only a few drinks in, deep enough that his voice took on that heavy Irish lilt I knew so well, but not quite enough that his Irish temper had made an appearance, something I also knew well. I'd played the game and won again. The chamber had been empty. I was good. The best, really— at this precarious dodge-and-dance number we'd established over the years. Better than my older brother Christian had been. He had fled two years before, taking the coward's way out, unable to hack it. I should have felt sorry for him, maybe even missed him a little. But he had abandoned me to the game to fend for myself, and there was no loyalty in our family. It was every man for himself. He was gone, and I remained— and these were the facts, bare of any emotion behind them. I took a shower and retreated to the room Christian and I had once shared. His bed was still across from mine, and, while I never used it save to throw my ancient, tattered book bag on, I liked the reminder that I was the stronger one, the survivor. I fell asleep in my bra and underwear, both inherited from my ma, And maybe that contributed to what happened next. Or maybe it would have happened anyway. Maybe I had never won that round of Russian roulette. Maybe the chamber hadn't been empty. The bullet had just been jammed for a minute. Maybe I had already been shot, and I was just too stupid, too overly confident, a little too much like Michael, to notice. Hands in places they should have never been woke me up out of a sound sleep— hands that were supposed to pick me up to reach the moon and stars, not touch me where Michael's hands had been only hours ago, erasing the memory of them. The smell of whiskey overwhelmed me, surrounded me, and clouded my head, my ma's name falling from his lips as coarse hair grazed my leg. I jerked upright with a yelp and fought like a wildcat, I struck out blindly, shoved and beat against the soft chest that loomed over me, desperate to force it away. Dull recognition flared in two close, muddy eyes, followed by a curse. Then a blinding pain rocked my head back, radiating in dizzying waves across my face. Minutes, hours, days later, the fog cleared and the storm shifted, leaving bruises and blood and aching ribs in its wake.